This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 572 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. What happens when the Superman Who Laughs shows up? Blue and Gold is back. Superman's colorful anthology, Superman and Son, to Justice League Infinity and Beyond, Lightning Strikes Again, as does The Lightning Round. This is how I got my wife to read comics for Sunday, August 1st, 2021. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, or subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and maybe leave us a review somewhere. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. We've got four weeks of comics and a lot of ground to cover, so let's get started. Infinite Frontier number two and three of six by Williamson, Pelletier, Marino, Derenick, Rapmund, Zermanico, Fernandez, and Fajardo Jr. We begin with Agents Chase visiting the world's finest team at the Hall of Justice on Earth Zero. She and the DEO are concerned about what happens when the evil version of you shows up. Of course, this already happened for Bruce in Dark Knight's Metal. Oh, and the Justice League took care of it isn't enough. Cut to a splash page of various worlds where JL Incarnate is collecting pieces of a spaceship. Thomas Wayne is back at the Hall of Heroes trying to wrap his mind around the multiverse. When literally given a handbook, Grant Morrison's Multiversity Guidebook, his reply is, I don't read comic books. A piece of the spaceship is found on Earth-22, so Thomas and President Superman go to retrieve it, only to run into Magog. Back on Earth-Zero, the totality is investigating the explosion at the old JSA HQ. When Vandal Savage asks why Alan's son Todd, a.k.a. Obsidian, is there, Alan gives him a beatdown, then he and his son go off to kick some ass to find out what happened to Jade. Cut to Roy Harper in the middle of the desert with a black lantern ring. When he tries to use it, he sees Earth Omega and Darkseid, then becomes a zombie. In comes Captain Adam, meeting with Agent Chase. She offers him a DEO gig, but he says he's retired. Chase mentions a previous mission they were on. Psych, they were never on a mission. Cap is not Cap. He rips open his containment suit and a nuclear explosion is set off. The third issue starts with Alan and Todd kicking some ass as they interrogate old JSA foes. Kronos, Solomon Grundy, Icicle, Johnny Sorrow, Gentleman Ghost, then check in with Shade. He suggests that maybe it's not a JSA foe, but an enemy of their offspring, a.k.a. Obsidian and Jade. Back to Roy, who comes out of his zombie state in space. He dare not use the ring again, so he decides to hang out until someone flies by. Shockingly, a white light pops up and spirits him away. 
Back to Earth-22, where Magog tells Thomas Wayne and President Superman to get lost. Every time someone arrives from the multiverse, it's caused tragedy. Justice League incarnate arrives as backup, and there's almost a fight. Magog nearly calls in his Kingdom Come compatriots before not Obama calms them down. All they want is to retrieve the spaceship part and leave. Magog is okay with that. Cut to Barry in a Silver Age style running his fastest along with Jay Garrick to save the multiverse. Turns out he's still on Earth Omega on a cosmic hamster wheel being fed a reality by Psycho Pirate in order to push you to be the hero you are to go someplace else. Back to Earth Zero, where Alan and Todd break into Command D, now conveniently in Bloodhaven in current day. Thanks, Reboot. They see Director Bones, DEO, took over the facility, and chase him, only to run into Agent Chase, who seems to wipe them out with a big gun. Back to Roy, now on a DEO starship, discussing things with an Agent Hammond, first name Hector. The Bronze Age villain now has a normally-sized head. Again, thanks, Reboot. The ship goes into the bleed, and Roy is zapped with audio waves so he can't concentrate and use the ring. At that point, the ship is attacked by Infinite Incorporated? Power Girl, Jade, Nuclon, Damage, Wildcat the Second. Hmm, a lot of literal world building, but at the halfway point, will this actually come to a conclusion? Blue and Gold, number one of eight by Jurgens and Sook. The classic hero-slash-comedy team from the Bwahaha Justice League, Ted Kord-slash-Blue Beetle, and Booster Gold finally return. We have really been looking forward Mm -hmm. to this. The story begins in the middle of the action, with Booster fighting an alien invasion over New York City. Of course, Booster has embraced social media and live-streams the whole thing. The aliens block his signal, oh no, there's no likes or contributions, so he concentrates on breaking their antenna. We see social media reactions, zero chance he survives the hour, fake news, dead man flying, lol. The League is trapped inside the alien ship, so Booster sees an opportunity to save the day and get a League invite. Cut to Ted by his father's grave. He talks about how much he has screwed up, apparently in Suicide Squad, before Skeets flies in and asks for his help. Booster is, as always, over his head. His force field is failing and he's about to be decapitated when the bug arrives and saves him. They argue about whether to use blue and gold or gold and blue on the socials just before the bug is blown up. By then, they're in the alien ship finding the Bendis League, minus soups, bound up. That's the Justice League? Don't even recognize some of them. They try to break out the League, get attacked, and Skeets tells Ted to escape. Instead, he finds a way to deactivate the ship's systems, freeing the group. They escape, and the ship warps out. Booster is ecstatic. They have to offer him a spot now. The League takes Ted aside and does offer him a spot, but no Booster. We are a team, and that means no Booster Gold, no Blue Beetle. Ted tells Booster they refuse to give him membership. Cut to light years away, with the aliens who attacked planning their next steps, which involves subjugating or killing blue and gold. Superman, Red and Blue, Issue 5 by Winnick, Mustafa, Wilson, Delandro, Williamson, Sprouse, Story, Buckingham, and Johnson. The out-of-continuity anthology continues. Fetch is all about young Clark feeling alone until another rocket ship lands with Crypto. We get a flashback about the baby Cal-El bonding with the test subject, a.k.a. the dog. 
De-escalation shows Clark, the Christopher Reeve version, in a bodega talking to his friend, the checkout girl. A robber barges in and Clark talks him down. The girl gives Clark a stuffed doll off the shelf. You're my Superman. Your Favorite stars Jimmy Olsen, who's being interviewed. He's asked about which of his photos of Superman is his favorite, and we see a flashback with Jimmy risking his life for a shot, only to leave the lens cap on. Instead, he gets a selfie with Soups, laughing about the whole thing. Red Sun, Blue Dot is a masterful retelling of Cal's trip to Earth with Jor-El narrating. Generation stars Pa Kent, who is at an impasse trying to be a good father. His church's reverence suggests he just tell Clark his feelings, which he does. I love you. I'm proud of you. You are special. Clark takes these thoughts into adulthood. These really are just fantastic stories. The Other History of the DC Universe Book 5 from DC Black Label by Ridley, Kemencoli, Cucci, and Villarubia. The subject of this issue is Anissa Pierce, a.k.a. Thunder, a.k.a. Black Lightning's daughter. As you would expect, Jefferson Pierce is a major figure in her life, but rarely a good one. As with all the issues, the story is told through narration by the subject with large splash panels. We begin with Anissa's parents getting divorced, which she blames on her dad. This is also when she learns of her dad's superhero identity. She spends time going from parent to parent, at one point running into an old student of Jefferson's, Dwight. He is curt to his old mentor. Anissa realizes that she has powers too, not lightning, but the ability to increase her density, giving her super strength and invulnerability. She hides this for quite a while, considering it to be a hereditary disease. She also hides her sexual orientation from her parents. There's a page where she and her sister Jen, who would later become Lightning, sneaking out to a Prince concert. Then she's at a bodega and stops a robbery there. When asked by the storekeeper who she is, she says, tell them Supergirl was here. Anissa begins training secretly. We get a page from reality all about don't ask, don't tell. She decides to come out to her parents about being a superhero, not her orientation. They cajole her into going to college instead. She agrees, but plans to be a hero directly afterward. Of course, they hope she will grow out of it. Another reality page, all about the bright future promised on January 1st, 2000. Dwight happens to give a lecture at her school, and she asks him why he was so curt to her dad. Dwight is gay, and Jefferson called him soft, pushing him to be a man, forcing him to change schools. Does he think Jefferson is homophobic? Yes. As planned, Anissa dons a costume and goes out the night of her graduation, despite her father's misgivings. Roy Harper recruits her for a new version of The Outsiders, and we get several pages about that. Roy, Dick Grayson, and Jade had daddy issues. Violet was previously a killer robot, and Grace had a mouth on her. There were battles, then Jefferson came in and took over. More real world, this time about the Federal Marriage Amendment, a.k.a. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Anissa is nearly killed in battle. Team members change. Jen joins the JSA as Lightning. Katana rejoins the Outsiders. Then Jefferson, who was the Secretary of Education by this point, goes to jail for killing a killer. Turns out Deathstroke set him up. Anissa runs to Grace for guidance and they hook up. The team breaks out Jefferson, then fake their own deaths. Anissa goes underground on an African mission that ends up going sideways. Batman returns to take over the Outsiders, a group he created, and Anissa is kicked out. None of Anissa's family are speaking to each other. More real world all about Obama. 
back to Anissa, who finds another Outsiders team at her and Grace's door, asking to hide out. Lightning and the JSA then arrive to arrest him. There's a battle, ending with Anissa wiping out the neighborhood. She asks Dr. Fate for some alone time with her family, and he takes it literally, putting them on a rock in limbo. This forces them to talk, and they have it out. In the end, Anissa keeps fighting the good fight, and a new generation of more accepting heroes join her. This issue seemed to flow better than the last two. They say write what you know, and despite John Ridley's writing prowess, he seemed to have less of a hold on Katana and the question. The real-world pages seemed more tacked on. He's better with the black protagonist. The real-world stuff directly tied into the storyline. Superman, Son of Kal-El number 1 by Taylor Timms and Eltiab. Probably the largest change to the super title since John Byrne's Man of Steel as John Kent takes over the mantle. This will be the status quo, at least for a while, as Clark leaves Earth to fight a cosmic war. It kicks off with a flashback to John's birth, retcon to happen at the fortress, with the world's heroes handling an attempted planetary invasion so Clark can be there. Bruce has already done some tests and notes that John could be even more powerful. We cut to the near future? I'm guessing this as John runs into Damien, who seems more grown up. We haven't been keeping track of the main continuity recently, so it's unclear. The main point of the first issue is that John doesn't want to be the guy who swoops in to save the world from disasters and attacks. He wants to resolve the causes of them. This includes climate change, inequality, the rise of demagogues. His motto, truth, justice, and a better world. Damien states, it's time for Superman to stop fighting the symptoms. You're powerful enough to be the cure. I think John is in for a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Justice League Infinity Number 1 by DeMatteis, Tucker, Beavers, and Filardi. A continuation of the animated Justice League Unlimited series, Amazo is on an existential journey. Martian Manhunter is retired and living in India as an older woman. The League celebrates Barry's birthday. We get some updated character moments before Granny Goodness and some parademons boom in. Calabac then arrives and fights Granny before all the bad guys warp out. Back to Amazo, who's trapped in a metaphorical mirror maze. He shoots at it, which generates unknown energy. Cut to Lois and Clark having dinner. There's a flash, and Lois is suddenly in front of Uberman. That unknown energy is causing chaos. The JLU series is fantastic. The lawyers at WB finally allowed the producers to use all the crayons in the box, all the heroes, and they did. Looking forward to the rest of this series. Well, we've still got a lot of ground to cover, so let's activate the lightning round. Challenge of the Super Sons, number four of seven by Tomasi, Rayner, and Guerrero. The boys fight Vandal Savage with Damien ramming him with the Supermobile before Savage takes a powder. The rest of the issue involves the boys saving another hero from the magical scroll, Cyborg. They have to go into his digital realm to do it, which involves a unicorn. Black Hammer Reborn number 2 from Dark Horse by Lemire, Yarsky, Stewart, and Piecos. We continue to go back and forth between Lucy's time as Black Hammer and her current life in a troubled marriage. Her daughter breaks into a prohibited parazone and takes some edibles doing so. They are saved by Skulldigger. Lucy earlier fought him as Black Hammer, but it goes sideways. He's got Dr. Star on his side? Hmm... Black Hammer Visions number 6 from Dark Horse by Bun, Ward, Sheehan, Stewart, and Picos. The anthology in Lemire's universe continues, this time with Cthulhu, 
created by a dark god who just wants to watch the ball game. His wife nags him to get a job, but he's already got one to be the dark god's emissary. Instead, he breaks the god's machine with his plumbing skills. Rivers of London, Monday, Monday, number one from Titan by Yoranovich, Cartmel, and Baroy. More from the long-running novel and comic series, Law & Order Meets the Magicians, based in London. We follow Miriam Stephanopoulos, just assigned to running an anti-street robbery team. It is very much procedural getting into all the nitty-gritty of the operation. Peter Grant, the main protagonist of the series, drops in near the end. And, longtime readers know, Stephanopoulos does not get along with the Falcon Squad, a.k.a. Peter. Second Coming, Only Begotten Son, number three from Ahoy Comics by Russell Pace, Kirk, Troy, and Steen. The blasphemous comic gets into parallels between the Crusades and the current day. Back in the day, corrupt priests create artifacts. There's dozens of St. Matthew's thumbs. In current day, Jesus is offered a job by a corrupt megachurch. In the end, an intern there follows Christ out the door. Meanwhile, Sunstar continues group therapy. Strange Adventures, 11 of 12, from DC Black Label by King, Gerards, and Shainer. Most of the issue is a fight between Adam Strange and Alana. She was just told by Mr. Terrific that Adam gave the alien picked the Earth in order to save Ron. Oh, and their daughter is alive and a hostage. She tells him not to be hero, just to be a uh, swear word man. Then she says she's contacting the League to rescue her. He pulls a gun on her. There's a struggle, and she ends up shooting him. Is he dead? There's also a flashback to the war on Ran, where the couple deal with a race of telepaths that look like snowmen with snow owl heads. He helps them get the two of the last pick to come out of a barricade, then kills them both. Can King bring this in for a landing next time? AnnouncerBot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.